Happy 4th of July! Welcome back to another episode of San Haunt Zay, where we discuss urban legends, hauntings, legends, and just anything spooky or weird in San Jose. This is your co-host, Manuel Avalos. And hello, I'm your co-host, Garmin Sanchez. And this week, we are doing a 4th of July holiday special. As you all know, uh, for some major holidays, we like to do a special episode um, where we don't do our usual format, but we just kind of focus on like a few different topics. Our format for this episode looks a little something like this. So we got some listener stories, then we got some couple more in-depth random legends, and finally, we've got an interview Q&A with the one, the only, Eric Escobar, who is an up-and-coming uh, California comic um, that I actually recently met while he was doing stand-up in Phoenix, Arizona. So, shout-out to Eric. <laughs> yes, lots of really good content in this episode. We're super excited. We've been holding on to some of this for, like, months. So, get your s'mores ready. Get your bonfire going. Oh, you know I always keep an extra ration of s'mores materials in my purse. <laughs> And let's get started with some listener stories. For this special, we're going to be talking about the Hat Man. So, the Hat Man is actually like a pretty popular urban legend, um, and it, he's generally seen as a tallish man about six. Six, five. And he's always seen as a faceless figure in a black trench coat wearing all black and of course a black bowler hat or in some websites say that he's wearing a fedora according to Sinister Coffee and Creamery blog. I honestly personally think that he's wearing a bowler hat because I don't find fedoras that scary. But anyway, um, this man has sometimes been recalled to have glowing red eyes. And according to lore, and a prominent theory from, let me know if I say this word wrong, ufologists? UFOologists? UFOlogists? No idea. Uh, they believe... <laughs> so, people who are super into UFOs or like aliens, um, they believe this entity is actually an alien. Um, this is mainly because like he's seen in doorways, closets, corners of the room, but uh, he's usually just observing from afar. So a more scientific theory, and also the one that I believe more in, uh, simply because I'm a psych major, uh, states that the hat man is a common occurrence for those experiencing sleep paralysis because sometimes he's portrayed to be hovering above people as they sleep, so that makes a lot more sense and no one's really ever excited to see the hat man I mean I understand uh, but a lot of people see him as a bad omen who brings bad luck and tragedy usually meaning that they or someone they know will die soon so that's the legend behind it and then this is how we actually originally heard about the hat man was from uh, a listener named Lisa who emailed us at sanhonse at gmail.com. So if you have any ghost stories, go ahead and send us, send them our way. So this is what Lisa writes. Okay, so Google Hatman. There's lots of info on him. Anyway, I saw him over 15 years ago. 
it was raining hard and I'm petrified of driving in the rain. So I got up a little bit earlier to pray before I left for work at 3 a.m. Girl, what is you doing at 3 a.m.? Anyway, that was me, not her, <laughs> not her email. Anyway, I got on 101 North from Leavesley heading to the airport. I was changing the radio station and when I looked up, there was a small white sports car stopped facing me in the middle of the freeway, lights off. The driver's door was open and a man was standing by it holding an umbrella. He was wearing a brimmed hat and a trench coat. No face, just a shadow, but he was definitely waiting for me. I remember swerving and calling him a super bad name, but I really didn't freak out until I got to work. It was then that I realized, why in the heck would this creepy man be standing by his car totally calm with the lights off? I honestly believe that if I hadn't prayed before I left, I would have died that morning. According to the legend of the hat man, if you see him, you die. Of course, that probably isn't true, otherwise I wouldn't be able to tell you about that freaky dude. Crazy experience I'll never forget. So thanks Lisa for writing that in. As soon as I read that I was like, oh man, we need to do a little segment on this. Yeah, that was really creepy and I was really excited for you because I remember in her original email she mentioned that it was a Gilroy story. Oh my gosh, I know. That, and then on top of that too, um, so I kind of, I didn't realize the Hatman was an actual, like, trope, because I had watched The Haunting of Hill House, and the Hatman is in that series, so I was like, no way, and I have to, I have to talk about it. <laughs> have you seen Haunting of Hill House? Carmen, I don't even know why you ask anymore. <laughs> Me either but still have to. <laughs> Next, we got a couple of stories, and coincidentally, they're all about different roads we've covered so far on the podcast. So throwback, if you haven't been keeping up with the pod, maybe pause real quick. I mean, it's not super important, but if you really want some context, pause and go back to our episodes on San Felipe Road, Quimby Road, and Marsh Road, because these three are about to come up. First, we got a story from Anthony, who wrote in to say, I actually have a weird story about Quimby Road. Yeah, so about a year ago, I was with my friend Adam. We had called off work and we were just chilling the whole night. After eating, we decided to go up Mount Hamilton to check out the view, so I drove all the way up Quimby, and when we got to the middle of nowhere, we saw a person jogging up the road wearing all black without a flashlight or anything, going upwards, and when I looked at my rearview mirror, we couldn't see them anymore. It was crazy considering it was where there were no houses at all, and the person didn't even have a flashlight. It's pitch black up there in that area. We've been to Agnews, Hicks Road, Marsh Road, San Felipe Road, the whole package. So, Quimby Road Jogger. That's definitely it. Next, we have an audio story, actually. In case you didn't know, this is an option. You can also leave us an audio message. I think the link is in the description of the episode, so if you want to send us a voice recording instead of an email, you can go ahead and do that there, or you can also just email us an audio clip if you're interested. But next, we're going to play a quick story from a listener named Isabel. Hey guys, I just realized there's only a minute that I can send you um, about the San Felipe Road. I had probably a little more to tell than just a minute, but long story short, I'm the generation that pretty much 
kind of probably led into them having to have security because we used to drive up there all the time. I mean, I'm 34 years old, graduated 2004 from high school, and that was like a legendary thing, legendary story. Um, it's really not hard to find when you drive up past civilization. Um, it's a dip driveway. It's the only one that has a fence. And we actually hopped the fence, went through barbed wire, went up to the small house, um, and even tried to pry the doors off to get inside. It is really creepy. I don't know the truth or the backstory behind it. Um, but we went up there so much that the property owner actually started coming out with the shotgun and threatening to shoot us, which I wouldn't be surprised that the white truck security would be a true story. Um, but had more to tell, can't make it through. So good luck to you guys. And I hope that that helps. All right. Bye. Wow. <laughs> Dang. Thanks for sending that in, Isabel. Man, can you believe to the point where somebody would threaten you with a shotgun? <sighs> I know. I mean, they were also trespassing repeatedly, but that's wild. And thank you again, Isabel. We're, uh... If, uh, if you didn't know, I'm, I'm, like, really invested in the San Felipe Road story, so, like, I would love hearing more about it. So definitely, if you have any San Felipe stories, let me know. Um, but, yeah, that's really cool, and, um, it's, you know, it always helps to know kind of, like, where some of these things come from. But, you know, because I feel like the legend of the white truck and all this stuff probably escalated after these events because they upped their security, but also... There must have been some legends prior to it, too, because that's probably why they went there. So, kind of gives us a good timeline and kind of also some evidence of just, like, how urban legends evolve over time, which is pretty cool. Also, a good note that uh, you can only send us a one-minute audio clip if you do it on Anchor, like, through our platform. But you can always send us a longer clip if you want via email, sanhonze at gmail.com. And if you also want to DM us, if we since we haven't mentioned this, but you guys should know at this point <laughs> you can dm us on instagram at san Jose podcast or you can find us on twitter at san Jose pod all right now we've got a listener story from howard the marsh road was around 2012 or so i've been there three times it too is a creepy road down calaveras into an unincorporated part of milpitas past piedmont road or evans road where civilization is few and far in between once you hit these trees, you make a left on Marsh Road. My friends and I went when it was dark. Again, the windy road is pitch black. There's only one road in, one road out. Very creepy. We left my car at the gate and hiked up about 30 minutes. In the distance, you could hear livestock. We were illegally trespassing. As we looked back, we saw a car coming down the road with headlights. Then he flipped around. I'm thinking, Great, it's either the homeowners or police. My car is either going to get the tire slashed or window broken in. As we hiked back down to my car, it turns out that the car was just a bunch of people who wanted to check out the place, like us. We hiked back up together. I can't remember the other details. I went back another time with a friend, but this time in the daytime. As we turned onto Marsh Road, just past the trees, we saw a truck. Not sure if it was the homeowners or what, but the truck stopped. We were both at a standstill. We couldn't see who it was due to the glare and the distance. I was too afraid to look who it was as we passed each other. We decided not to linger around for long because we didn't know if, if or when they would come back. The third time was just with another friend to check out the bridge and stream where Marcy Conrad was supposedly dumped or murdered. 
Under the bridge is a bunch of tagging. We did an EVP, but didn't catch anything. Also, if you have any stories about another haunted road, hint, 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 wink, wink, please let us know and send it to our email, sanhanse at gmail.com, or even DM us on Instagram, as Manny said earlier, Pod. If that wasn't clear, we're talking about Hicks Road. Oh my gosh, get it together, people. Of course we're talking about Hicks Road. <laughs> Take a hint. <laughs> Next, we got a story that was actually DM'd to us on Instagram from a listener named Valerie. Valerie says, It was probably 2001 or 2002, and I was in downtown San Jose with a couple of friends. It happened right by Pizza Chicago, Rip Pizza Chicago, near the Greyhound station and the caravan. Anyway, a couple of friends and I were going to Pizza Chicago, and one night there was a woman standing by the brick wall there wearing old-timey clothes and holding an antique-looking umbrella. She wasn't see-through or anything, she was kind of just standing there by herself. She looked exactly like the painting that used to be on the column in San Pedro Square. And uh, one of my friends had these little stilts, and he was trying to walk on them, and she said something like, if you keep trying, you'll get it. It was super weird, and when we turned to look back, she was just gone. She was too centered on the wall to turn around the corner and just disappear like that. We all agreed it was a ghost, and none of us have forgotten it. Ooh. But true that. Rip Pizza Chicago. And the ghosts that are there with it. The next story we have is another audio clip. This is from a listener named Fabiola. Um, unfortunately, this one gets cut off, and I think they might have accidentally hit the stop recording button too early. But in any case, we decided to play it anyway. So here it is. Hi, I worked at Green America for four years, and it was definitely haunted. A bunch of us bought a Ouija board. I mean, even though it was a Milton Bradley one. But that thing went off, and there was rumors that you could feel the spirit of where the loggers' mine was at, where the little boys uh, died. And let me tell you, it was scary. I. Oh man, that's creepy. Yeah, I. Uh, there's something about Great America stories that freak me out because it's supposed to be a place of enjoyment, and then there's all this <laughs> dark stuff in the background. Dude, there are yeah. always like, oh my goodness, I've always gotten that weird, eerie feeling at Great America. I'm not even joking. Like, you know, I I think I remember talking about this in the Great America episode, uh, but you know the that bridge that you cross near the what is it, the river raft ride? Yeah. That little canopy bridge area always freaks me out, and I have no idea what that's about. Oh yeah, I do remember you talking about that. Mm -hmm. Here's our original story from our listener, Lisa, that we talked about earlier. Um, So uh, she wrote in first, I was born and raised in San Jose and moved to Gilroy 26 years ago. So we lived at redacted house number on Almaden near near the DMV from around 1979 to the late 90s, and that house was definitely haunted. My older sister knew the girl that lived there before us. Her name was Mary, and she died from an aneurysm when she was 16. Totally unexpected. After we had lived there for about one year, some guy that looked and dressed like a woman knocked on our door. I don't know why I remember this, but he was holding a magnolia flower. He was very sweet, and he, 
He said he used to live in our house. My mom asked him if Mary was his sister, and he said yes. He seemed hesitant to ask this question, but he asked if we ever saw anything in the house. My mom told him that my brother-in-law was in the shower, which had frosted glass doors, and he saw my sister come in and knock on the shower door. She didn't say anything. She just knocked on the door and left. After he got out of the shower, he asked her why she knocked on the door, and she told him she didn't. They actually argued about it because he said he could see her through the door, but my sister never went in the bathroom while he was in the shower. She had long black hair and a nightgown. Perv ghost? Dang, we should have asked him why uh, he was asking that question in the first place. They must have experienced stuff too, or he wouldn't have asked, right? Another time, my daughter was on her top bunk, just about to fall asleep, when she saw an apparition of a female, long-haired, and nightgown. It walked slash glided to her on the top bunk like she was curious to see my daughter up close, and then she just disappeared. My daughter never talked to me about it until years later. She said she was so scared she couldn't even scream or make a sound. She was too scared to mention it until years later. One night, we were watching a scary movie at night, and we all heard very distinct sounds of footsteps on our roof. The roof of this house is so steep or slanted that it's impossible to walk across it without scaffolding. I'm a huge skeptic, but there's no doubt in my mind that this place is haunted. I've thought about knocking on the door to ask the current residents if they've ever experienced anything, but I don't have the balls. Haha, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll grow a pair someday and just do it. I'm an old lady. I have nothing to gain by making any of this up. I just thought you would find it interesting. And we did. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting. That was really scary. Yeah, definitely. We got another story from uh, listener Howard, who we mentioned a little bit ago. And this time Howard writes, I recently went just last year, November 2020, to Willow Creek, California, which by the way, we talked about in the Bigfoot episode which wasn't very far from the original Bluff Creek area where the Patterson slash Gimlin Bigfoot was found in 1958. I've actually been there twice. The town is very small and everyone there is super friendly and sparsely populated. There are no giant corporations like Target, Walmart, Starbucks, which I'm sure the town residents love as it will draw traffic, crowds, and rents to go up. Traffic, quote unquote, is like five cars. Willow Creek is a very beautiful town littered with redwoods and sequoias. There's also the Willow Creek China Flat Bigfoot Museum, and about two miles away is the Bigfoot Steakhouse. I've had dinner there, and the steak and food is the bomb! I didn't see any Bigfoots, but to get to the actual Bigfoot location, you would need a 4x4, and there are a few YouTube videos on the actual spot, too. Anyway, I just wanted to share this. It's definitely worth a visit. If you take Highway 101 North along the way, you'll also spot a Bigfoot souvenir store, too, that sells everything Bigfoot-related, like magnets, signs, shirts, hats, and so much more. P.S. I recommend the movie from 2013. I actually liked it, and it shot like found footage Blair Witch style. Okay, so he actually attached a picture for the movie of Willow Creek. And then I was like, I totally need to watch this movie. So guess what I did? You watched the movie? Yes. Okay, and here's our pop culture <laughs> section of the week. So, um... So this movie was released in 2013, and it's 
It's described as a found footage film, similar to, as Howard stated earlier, the Blair Witch Project, and as above, so below, which is also another found footage creepy horror film. So the film is about a couple who travel to Six Rivers National Forest, which is an actual forest in Northern California. Anyway, the boyfriend is making a documentary about trying to get new slash like or like better footage of Bigfoot. And so it starts pretty nicely doing like they, they're doing some touristy things like uh, they go get a Bigfoot burger at the famous Bigfoot Steakhouse, then a few interviews of the locals. And lastly, um, there's some songs about the Patterson Gimlin team, uh, like searching for Bigfoot. So I thought those that was pretty interesting. Um, then the next day, as they're driving to their camping destination, one of the locals takes them by surprise by threatening them to leave. Uh, the couple then decide to ignore the warning and find another way of entering the forest. So they hike down a trail and find a nice spot to camp, and the real action doesn't start until at night. So um, I won't spoil the rest of the, uh, the film for you, but I will inform you that just like most found footage films, the real terror doesn't happen until the last 20 minutes of the movie. So there's that. But it is an interesting take on a horrific Bigfoot story because there's a lot that aren't scary. And ultimately, it, it was given an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Also, Willow Creek was written and directed by Bobcat Goldthwaite who I thought would be from the Bay Area, given the location of the film being based off the original Bigfoot footage, um, which is taken near Bluff Creek, which is a creek in the city of Willow Creek in Humboldt County. So, ding ding ding, that's how we get the movie title. Um, but I understand this isn't in the Bay Area, but being from the Bay Area, it's you could easily recognize this region in Northern California. So, anyway, Bobcat Goldthwait is actually from Syracuse, New York, um, but either way, I read from Wikipedia that he's known for his dark comedy, so it made sense, like, why or how he decided to write and direct this film, and fun fact, Bobcat Goldthwait is actually in Hercules. Have you seen Hercules? Like, the Disney movie? Yes. The cartoon. Uh, I mean, like a long time ago, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, he's Pain from Hercules. He's also in Stand Against Evil, which is a TV series that came out a few years ago. And in, obviously, in his own Bob Goldthwaite's Misfits and Monsters. So if you want to learn more about him, you can go ahead and check him out. So the last topic I wanted to discuss, since we already talked about the hat man, I wanted to talk about the dream man, uh, because he's probably one of, like, it was probably, like, one of the first times I started get like, getting super interested in dreams, and then it definitely made me start wanting to learn more about other people's experiences, or uh, about the dream man so I, I had a, I remember asking my brother about him and then a few people in my family to see if like they had seen this person in their dreams as well and then also like while doing research for this it gave me such like 
horrifying chills like looking at this guy um, but that's just because of my experience with it so the dream man is also known as this man because so many people have been asked if they've seen this man so dream man came into light around 2008 after a man named andrea natella uh, made this website called thisman.org Natella compiled all the information about the Dream Man on his website, and it was stated that the Dream Man was first reported in 2006 by a famous psychologist in New York City. After a lot of his patients started reporting to that same psychologist that they had dreamt of the Dream Man, or this man. After getting a sketch of the Dream Man, the psychologist did research to see if they could find, uh, find or maybe identify the man. But no records popped up on this guy, yet more reports from people seeing this man poured in from all around the world. So you got people from LA, you've got people from Berlin, Brazil, Stockholm, Manila, everywhere just talking about how, like, or reporting that they have seen this guy before, um, you know, in their dreams, uh, but not, not in real life. So thisman.org came up with a few theories to explain this phenomena, and here they are now. This man was an example of Carl Jung's concept of the unconscious archetypal image people see during very difficult life situations. So that was one. Um, that this man was a manifestation of God. Um, that was a second theory. Um, a corporation was mentally conditioning people to dream of the same man. Pretty interesting theory, yes. Um, and some people dreamt of the man only after learning about others seeing him, which is common. Um, you know, like kind of like Inception. And then... Because it's hard for humans to remember people's faces in dreams, people are in inaccurately using Nutella's identikit of this man to describe the person in their recurring dreams. Kind of the same as the previous series that because they've seen this person before, like on the internet, they dream of this person after seeing him. Um, so that was, those were the theories. And, um, Okay, and then in 2012, the Dream Man was finally debunked. So the theory of the Dream Man was debunked by Andrea Nathella himself, who stated that the ordeal was actually a marketing stunt, but never actually revealed what he was promoting. So that was pretty mysterious. Um, some people believe that it was to promote uh, uh, this man movie which was supposed to be directed by Brian Bertino, who wrote and directed the 2000 hit horror movie, The Strangers. That was anticlimactic. What, why? Just like, I mean, that I was getting really into it. I was like, oh my gosh, all these people are dreaming of it and that's so weird. And then it, it's a marketing stunt. I know, but the thing is, Manny, I dreamt of the dream man without ever seeing the dream man. Oh my gosh. Which is why it freaked me out so much. It was when I was little, 
I had a dream of like so a lot of people say that the dream man brings good omen like he's a good thing to see it's it's very good but for me I when I saw the dream man I was terrified out of my mind like I remember waking up and thinking wow like this person like you know the reason why I remember his face so well is because it terrified me um, I know he didn't do anything bad he was he just kind of looks creepy like if you look him up he kind of just looks eerie so go look him up see if you've seen him before but like i said it was a long time ago when i was a kid and all i remember was feeling horrified but a lot of people find that like he's a good omen that if you see him you'll get rich if you see him you'll be prosperous if you see him um, good things will happen to you, but like I said when I had seen him I just got the eeriest feeling ever and I don't remember anything specifically happening that was particularly bad, but I do remember just Feeling super creeped out like the next day and like I said, I remember asking like my dad like do you know this guy because you know you your subconscious only dreams about people that you have previously seen throughout the day in your life and nobody looks like the dream man. He's unidentifiable. That's weird. Have you seen the dream man? Um, so I looked it up. Okay. I looked him up just right now when you were talking about it. Or talking about him. And I, I agree. I feel like he's really creepy. I had to close it because I was getting kind of creeped out. Right? But I feel like, I feel like the creepiness... That I associate is maybe only because you kind of primed me. Oh, okay. <laughs> to expect something eerie. I feel like if you just showed me his face without any context, I would have been like, okay, just some random dude. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think he's creepy, but I've never seen him before. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Let us know if you've seen the dream man. Well, thank you, Carmen. That was really creepy, and now I don't think I want to go to sleep. So. <laughs> You're welcome. Last for this special, we're super excited. Again, we're going to be uh, playing our interview that we pre-recorded with comedian Eric Escobar, who is a big fan of everything spooky and creepy, and especially Bigfoot, but we'll let him talk about it. Um, and uh, big shout out to Carmen for kind of just meeting him by chance. <laughs> That's true. It was pretty, pretty cool. All right, let's hit it. Hello, and welcome to San Jose, Eric. Hello! I'm super excited to be here. I like spooky stuff. I like haunted stuff. I like San Jose. I, yeah, I, like, I do like San Jose. I very much do. It's great. It's cool. That's the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, the, that only, is the answer. only answer for this podcast. <laughs> so, so, I'm more of a Fresno guy. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. So, uh, before we get started, um, did you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? For sure. Uh, my name is Eric Escobar. I'm actually based out of LA, not too far from San Jose. Um, I'm a comedian. You may have seen me on Last Comic Standing or my TED Talk or Craigslist. You can find me on all those things, all of those things. And um, 
Carmen and I, we actually met uh, in Arizona while I was on the road. Uh, we started talking about kind of interests, stuff like that. And um, when your podcast came up, I was like, I have to be a part of this. This is so cool. So I'm happy that you guys have me right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I know. Funny we met in Phoenix of all places. So. Super weird. Super weird. It's, it's very, very hot currently in Phoenix and I love it, but I can't wait to get to cooler California in a few days. It's going to be yeah. very nice. Um, so our first question for you is how did you get into urban legends or like ghost stories? It's, it's one of those things where it's just cool. You know what I mean? It's just super cool and super fun. Um, I feel like I've always had an attraction to kind of like scary, spooky, supernatural, conspiracy-esque stuff. And I'm definitely a believer in a lot of things. I think there's a lot of curiosity where there's not like solid answers for a lot of it. So it's kind of always this open-ended journey in life of like, ooh, what's this? What's that? Ooh, what's this all about? Um, I had a couple uh, experiences, interactions when I was a kid. And I think that I didn't fully grasp it when I was a child, but as I grew up, I looked back on those moments and I was like, that is frightening. That was, was that a ghost? Was that a other being? And um, I think the, the older I got, the more I look back on these memories and I'm like, I think this isn't scary. This is just cool. This is just super cool. <laughs> yeah, that's. I feel like that's more of the let's accept this uh, instead of let's be scared of that. <laughs> totally. I feel like especially with a lot of things in the supernatural, like a lot of people, that stuff has as much power as the individual give it, gives it. You know what I mean? If you don't think you're going to run into a ghost, you don't believe in ghosts, you're probably never going to experience that in your life. But if you're like really into it and searching for it and going into cemeteries at 4 a.m. with a flashlight, you might see something. Uh, you're kind of asking for it. And um, I'm kind of like right in that middle thing where it's like, you know what? I didn't used to be a believer. Now I am a believer. And I just kind of want to be open-minded to what the world has to offer. Both worlds, the spiritual <laughs> and the physical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you have those like scary adventures that you want to talk about or at least any that you want to talk about? Sure, I actually have a San Jose ghost story. Believe it or not, a haunted. Ooh. This is perfect because yeah. I think I've maybe had like two experiences in my life, and one was in San Jose. Um, I'm gonna let y'all guess where it was. Where do you think it was in the beautiful city or county of SJ? Ooh, somewhere on the east side. Okay, nice in general. I like your style, Manny. It's like I'm not gonna go too specific. <laughs> I can't be wrong if I just say half. <laughs> Carmen, you got any well. ideas? Um, well, I'm going to guess the Comedy Club, San Jose Improv. That's actually a really good guess, but unfortunately, neither. Or maybe kind of the east side. I'm not sure where it is. Oh, okay. um, it yeah, was actually fine. at the, uh, the Winchester House. <gasps> oh, um, cool. Not east side. That was my second guess, to be fair. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I like the retroactive. I was right. No, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> But that's Manny. Of course, like I meant to say, uh, but it's it's a wild place. I was there when I was probably in I'm gonna say second or third grade. So what is that? Like eight years old, nine years old, something like that. And um, the story is, I went into the restroom. I went into the men's restroom because I am a boy. Um, so I go into the restroom. Um, I think I take a poop because you know we like to poop. And I exit, and there's no one else in there. But there is a woman in the men's restroom while it's open. There's a woman there. She looks very old. She doesn't look like one of us. She looks like she's literally from a different time. Um, a lot of the people were wearing 
I wouldn't call them costumes. They were wearing, you know, like uniforms. She was in costume, which I thought was really weird because everyone else was wearing like polo shirts with name tags. You know what I mean? They weren't, you know, dressed up like they were from the 20s or 30s or whatever it might be. Um, she had this long dress. I remember saying hi to her while I was washing my hands. She didn't say anything. She just stared at me. I remember she had, um, it was kind of like a mop and then it was like a wooden bucket and it wasn't on wheels. Like, I remember this so vividly. because like, this is so strange. Um, anyways, so I saw her, I said, hi, she didn't say anything. We kind of like locked eyes for a second. She just stared. I leave. And I think I was like kind of worried. And I was, I had this like odd feeling around me. So I told my dad or my cousin, I told someone I was with and I was like, um, it, within five seconds of leaving, like, this is kind of weird. Is there someone in the bathroom? I think, can, can you see it? And they go in and she's gone. And there's no other doors. There's no other ways out. There was just a straight entrance through the men's restroom. And it was the men's restroom. Like, why would she be there? Even if she was like custodian duty, like, why would you just like close the door or whatever? Um, but the more I think about it in life, like that was, she was probably working there like years ago. <laughs> and I don't know if she was a spirit, if she died, if something happened, but she was still there. And I fully believe it wasn't like just a regular person in like costuming. It's, it was, it was something. I uh, like my favorite part of that story is that you were just trying to be polite to the ghost too you weren't even like scared <laughs> at all you were like hey what's up like how are you doing I remember this is super super gross I remember um oh this is super gross I okay. I, I pooped and at the time I had a retainer and my retainer fell in the toilet and oh, I remember no. being, like, really embarrassed so as a kid I like didn't want to flush so I you know I went and I grabbed it I flushed so I actually went and like, I had to like clean it off. Like I was like super paranoid about, you know, being like dirty and it was in poop water. Um, I mean, fricking poop water, I don't, PG. Well, anyways, I, <laughs> I remember washing and it was taking a while. I was soaping it super hard. So I was there for a minute and she was just staring at me and I could feel her staring at me. So I was like, I'm not gonna not say hi. So I was like, oh, hello, what's up? And she just kept on, it was, it was frightening. It was very frightening, but also cool. Hello. Wow. Awesome story. You're definitely not the only person that's seen what they think seems like custodial staff or just, I mean, it makes sense because there were so many staff at the Winchester house when Sarah Winchester was still alive. But um, it's interesting. I've never heard this. Like, I feel like usually most people see um, like workers, like construction workers. Like there's like one part, I forget his name, but there's one particular ghost that a lot of people have claimed to see. And he's usually like wheelbarrowing stuff around and doing like construction stuff. So found it really interesting that you saw what seems like a cleaning staff as opposed to construction so or do you think it was um madam winchester herself she, she wouldn't be doing her own work she's not doing her own work she's chilled well maybe she is because she didn't trust any of her staff i don't know she was a paranoid person <laughs> she was a she was a rich old lady with arthritis you think she was mopping the floor oh that's true. <laughs> no, definitely not <laughs> my bad so when it comes to the Winchester house, like you said, there've been a lot of stories. There's been a lot of things people have seen. Um, I'm really curious, like, do you think people, the majority of people go there wanting to see something and they have some type of interaction? Or do you feel like a good chunk of these stories are just like average people who might not even believe, but it's like, whoa, I, I saw something. And that definitely wasn't just a random person here. What do you feel is kind of more the truth? 
Well, for me, I know like when I first went, it was mainly just like a historical field trip. I didn't realize there was anything attached to it when it came to ghosts. Because I was like you when I first saw it. I went on, I was traveling there for Girl Scouts, like my Girl Scout troop went. And we were just learning about this cool, interesting mystery house. Um, and it wasn't until later that I realized like, wait, there's like ghosts here? <laughs> and then I was like, man, I need to go see it again. Like, that'd be so cool if I could see the ghosts. So um, that was my take on it. Um, a lot of people go for the historical value, but uh, I think also during Halloween they have like ghost tours. So I'm pretty sure that that's a, that's a big uh, marketing thing. I mean, I just want to say it's so um, cool that San Jose is the area where it's like, oh, let's have a field trip for all these kids. Haunted mystery <laughs> place. Let's definitely take, um, not the park, not the mall, not the museum. Let's go to a spooky place where people have died. This is, no, they'll love it. All the kids will love it. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. And guess what? We did, we had a blast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad. Carmen, you know I have a lot of thoughts about the Winchester house. And, oh yeah. Um, Highly recommend you check out our Winchester episode because I have a lot of thoughts about just the way that the legend came about. And especially when you compare it to like Hayes Mansion, which is, um, you know, like the Hayes family was a contemporary of the of Sarah Winchester. And long story short, they owned the media and Mrs. Hayes claimed to actually have supernatural powers, but they never targeted her. Sarah Winchester, on the other hand, did not own the newspaper, never... Cl- at least was never proven to claim to have any powers but she got all the like targeting anyway i have a lot of thoughts but either way there's definitely i mean the winchester house is amazing and i'll definitely go back but i I just have a lot of thoughts maybe that's what sarah winchester wanted you to believe maybe she was just being like oh well i didn't definitely put this in the new or i didn't talk to anybody but hey guys definitely let me tell everyone to come out here. Come on, I need, I need the money. No, she doesn't. She doesn't need the money. She does She's not rich. need the money. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need to build that's a fourth enough. story to this endless staircase. All right, come on, bring them in. Bring them in. Well, that's really awesome. Thanks for sharing your your San Jose story. You know, that's that's all we do here, and we're always like, always looking for more. <laughs> well, it's just wild because I live in LA, and I've probably been to San Jose. I would say maybe a dozen times in my life. I've passed through it a bunch. You know, going to going north to north places but i feel like i didn't have a lot of interactions there and it's so serendipitous that when we started talking about this podcast and guesting up and stuff i was like i have one story and it's from the area and this is it's it was like meant to be it's great especially when you were like oh wait you want to see my tattoos and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) well i remember okay so that night we met i was definitely probably about eight vodka sodas in uh maybe eight and a half And then I remember being in Arizona, I love Arizona, but the diversity is not as plentiful as other places. And I remember seeing your table and being like, wait, here are other Filipinos. These could be my cousins. They're probably, we're probably related, (laughs) this is so cool. And I remember, I feel like no one believes me when I say I'm Filipino. So I'm like, look at my Filipino son tattoo, believe me. Um, But that was definitely more the Tito's talking than me. Yeah, that was uh, really funny because we were just like, out of all the places you could have gone in, what was it, Gilbert Chandler? Yeah. We are probably like the only <laughs> like Mexican Filipino people there. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, what's wild is we weren't even supposed to be there because the way it worked out is um, I had a show that night in Gilbert, that JP's Comedy Club, super fun comedy club. And I have another comedian friend from LA, his name's Scott Bluegrind, super funny guy. He was actually performing at Improvimania. So our show just happened to get out early. And I was like, well, let's support Scott. He's in town. I haven't seen him that often. So we go over Improvimania. He runs out of his show or he ends his show. And we're like, let's all hang out at a bar. Where's there a bar? And the only cool spot close by shares a parking lot with that theater. So we really just, like if one thing didn't happen, we wouldn't have ended up at this crazy bar with dozens of very cool birds. Are they happy? I don't know. It's really hot out here, but they're cool birds. I know. Uh, we discussed that. That was definitely a topic. <laughs> really I was like, I really enjoy this, but I also really, also, I saw there's a zoo out here and I'm like, that's cool, but are these animals okay? I'm about to die and I'm a human who can like buy a Dasani. They're animals. What are, are you guys chilling? Yeah, I actually know a few people that own horses and I just feel so bad. Like, man, that must suck to be a horse in Arizona of all places. You could have ran free somewhere else, but no. <laughs> Uh-huh. that's horrible that's uh, well you know what as long as they're being taken care of crossing fingers they are uh. yeah um okay so this was like going back backtracking to um that night so well maybe not that specific night but have you performed anywhere that's like infamously haunted or maybe that you personally think is haunted Ooh, yes i yes that is a great question um a lot of people say the comedy store in LA is haunted. I've never had any experiences. Um, I feel like when you're there, I feel like a lot of experiences that people have is kind of when there's like downtime. You know what I mean? You're chilling, you're reading a book, you're hanging out, you're having a coffee, boom, what's that noise? What happened? I feel like whenever the comedy store, there's always comics hanging out, there's always action, there's a lot of noise. So I don't think I've ever been there when it's chill enough to be like, oh. Um, but people definitely say it's haunted. Um, another uh, apparently haunted comedy club. It unfortunately just closed down, but it was the Comedy Underground in Seattle. And um, I love the Northwest. Northwest. I'm there a lot. And the Seattle, let's talk about it. So Seattle was actually um, built on kind of like this hill and it was like where their downtown is and it's cool. And what was wild about it is they were they were on this hill, so they're um, they're plumbing the irrigation. Basically, all the the toilets were every you know took your poop. A lot of poop in this episode. Very on brand for me. Um, they go, it funnels in to some tubes, and then the tubes are underground, and then um, it goes into basically like the super tube, and the super tube goes out into the ocean. So you have this hill, and then they just use gravity to get all their waste down into the ocean. Um, after a while, I feel like things started getting backed up, and the tide started going up. So then all of the stuff would actually go back up the hill because the water would push it back and your your bathrooms would explode and your outhouses would explode with all this really gross stuff because that's science. I don't know. Um, anyways, the town was covered in, in poop. That's what I'm trying to say. The town was covered in poop. Oh, no. So what they did is they built new Seattle on top of old Seattle. So if you were a three-story building... They actually cut out your first story. And for a while, everyone would have ladders and your new entrance was on the second story. So all around downtown Seattle, because people didn't want to like step in all this grudge, they would go up these ladders, go to the second story, and they would slow, they slowly built new Seattle over it. So that being said, 
Seattle has a haunted underground. Like there is like six to 10 feet underneath downtown Seattle where it's all just like abandoned buildings and like abandoned trains. It's, it's crazy. Um, and this club is actually built on level one Seattle. So it's actually one of the old buildings underground. You could tell it's like super dark. There were a lot of like brick everywhere. And um, yeah, apparently it was super haunted. I haven't heard stories from anyone, but it it had a vibe. It had a, a very like powerful energy when you were there where you're like, this is cool, but it's off. You know what I mean? As soon as you like go underneath, it, it just, it just, you felt something. Um, and it wasn't the poop. It was definitely ghosts. I hope it wasn't the poop. That would be so crappy. There you go. Added in a joke. <laughs> That's super wow. eerie. And gross. Yeah. It's super gross. Yeah. Super weird. It's, I, I don't like how they got there, but I think it's cool that they got there. And now there's like underground world there. Awesome. So you performed there and you just got the vibe. Definitely have the, definitely have the vibe. Cause here's the thing. I feel like the comedy store, which is, you know, might have some haunting stories or whatever. It's one of those places where there's always a lot of action and you kind of get there, people are hanging out. I remember this club, like I would get there half an hour early before their shows and you would just sit there and it felt off. Or the comics would be hanging out in the green room after the show and they're all just talking, you know, drinking, hanging out. And you just, you, you felt a presence. Like, I don't mind the dark. I'll walk through a club in the dark. And be, oh, the green room's over there. The bathroom's over there. That's fine. But here I like, didn't want to go out if I wasn't like with someone or there weren't the lights on. Yeah, always always go with a friend. I hear that a lot. <laughs> Especially going ghost hunting or anything like that. For sure. I feel like a lot of ghost stuff <laughs> is typically um like older buildings. You know what I mean? Places with a lot of history, places where things might have happened. Um and it's crazy because you go to some clubs, you know, they're new buildings, they're fun, they're little strip malls, it's great. And then you just go to areas that are old, you know what I mean? Like DC, Boston, New York. And in those areas, you definitely enter in some clubs that might be, you know, 100, 120 year old buildings. And you kind of get a little bit like, all right, there's been a lot of history here and what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever performed at the San Jose Improv Theater? I want to say when I was younger, I think I did like a guest spot there. I never like worked a weekend or anything like that, but I feel like I was like 25, 26. I did something there. It was like an independently produced show. Um, one of the most beautiful clubs in the country. It's absolutely gorgeous. Please book me if you're watching this San Jose Improv. Great. <laughs> um, it's a gorgeous club. And it's in kind of a, cause it's really close to San Jose State, right? Yeah. Pretty close, yeah. All right, cool. Cause I remember like walking from San Jose State to my car and I like passed by it. And I was like, oh, this spot, I forgot how cool it was. It's amazing. Well, if you do perform there, or if you, I guess, have and you remember, um, add that to your list, because we, we have an episode on that, actually. Yeah. No way. I okay, we have an episode on it. Can we like do a, a quick, like, I don't know, little pitch of like what at the San Jose Improv is so, ooh, I would love to hear it. Um, quick summary, there's all kinds of stories because it's an old theater. I believe it's the oldest in San Jose, right, Carmen? Mm-hmm. Or at least, like, the oldest that's still standing. Um, and there was a story of a fire happening in the basement, and unfortunately, apparently, some actors had died in there. Um, Jeez Louise. Shout out to Angela Johnson because she said that in the green room area, um, that's where she experienced, I think, was it... It was either orbs or she just got that really weird, eerie feeling that you kind of talked about earlier. 
But like, yeah, so there's that to it. I can't wait to perform there. It's gonna be <laughs> with all of the orbs. She actually, yeah. I want to say, did her special there. It's a it's a really cool room because um, she's a San Jose local, no? Yeah, she's from here. Hell yeah, that's great. She kind of inspired us to do that episode actually because she posted a video on YouTube fairly recently that she did like a ghost tour at the San Jose Improv, and I um, uh, I think I followed her on YouTube or something, and it came up, and I was like, no way, because also she's my favorite comic. Um, she's great she's absolutely hilarious yeah and uh i was just like no way and uh we tagged her actually and she liked our post <laughs> yeah we got that <laughs> that's so dope do you have any culturally specific legends um so like for us like coming from a latinx background like we have like la llorona and then la chupacabra so do you have any like that <laughs> Sort of, kind of. So here's the thing. Like I, so my dad's Mexican. My mom's Filipino. I love being Mexipino. It's a beautiful mix. It's great. Um, But my dad actually grew up here in the States. And I want to say his mom, my grandmother, I don't know. I think she's the one who immigrated, but at a very young age. And unfortunately, they were very much in that cultural time when it's like, don't speak Spanish. You're not Mexican. Don't learn the culture. Like, you're American now, like be American, which is, um, it's really heartbreaking and it sucks because I think there's so many great things within, you know, my Latino heritage, my Mexican heritage that I wish I learned. I just wish I learned Spanish, if anything. <laughs> and um, we unfortunately didn't get a lot of that. Like my dad never passed down any like stories or anything like that. But on the flip side, my mom is very much from the Philippines and very much has a lot of spooky stories. Like we have... <laughs> Of course, the Filipinos, we call it this. We have the white lady. Have you guys heard of the white lady? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like she should have a better name other than the white lady. In these current times, <laughs> a little too on point, I feel. Um, but yeah, the white lady is just, uh, I think she's like this very like spooky kind of angry spirit who wanders the forests. So it's like a big thing. Like you don't go into the forest at night because there's the white lady and she'll get you and she'll attack you. Um, aside from that, like, that's kind of the only real cultural thing that I'm like, ooh, I definitely researched on the other side, the chupacabra thing. And I think, yes, a hundred percent. Like, I love like monstery things. You know what I mean? Like I'm a big, like Bigfoot fan. I firmly believe big Sasquatch, Yeti, chupacabra, um, anything that's like somewhat monstery, like my attention and, it, oh, I'm drawn to it. So like more cryptids? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because I feel like ghosts are, I believe that there's power to them, there's energy to them, but I feel like they're kind of on the line where it's like, it's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to find like research for Bigfoot, but it's like out there and it's physical. You know what I mean? It's a very physical thing. So I almost feel like the tangibility of it is kind of more like, oh, you're definitely real. Or ghosts, I'm like, you're real, but I got it. It's more of a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I actually did some more research this week about Bigfoot. So, and this today's special, I'm going to be talking a little bit about this movie called Willow Creek. Have you heard of that? Is that the one by, um, it was, I think, directed by a comedian, Bobcat Goldwish? No? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So that's, uh, that's on the list. Is it? So I thought it was found footage, but is it like a movie movie? Like, what's the vibe? Um, it's definitely found footage. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty cool. Like, I mean, I didn't really get 
Um, well, like I did the research after watching the movie. So when I found out about uh, Bob um, Bobcat Gold Gold. Yeah, we'll call him Bob. We'll call him Bob for the purposes Bob, of the podcast. Or Bobcat, why not? Um, for sure. Robert he, like, Cat. He does, do, uh, <laughs> he does dark comedy, so it made sense why he would direct like such a like a found footage creepy film. So that was cool. He's, um, he's one of those comics where if you get a chance, watch his old stuff, like from the 80s, so, early 90s, because he's definitely calmed down a lot these days. But his old things, he was, um, he had this crazy haircut and he screamed. He didn't never like, hey, here's my jokes. He would just scream his jokes at you. And it was this wild, crazy character. And I'm like, of course you would grow up to be this director who does like a Bigfoot movie. Like this is totally on brand. I love it. Um, but I also want to mention, have you uh, heard of the book De-Evolution? You guys know about De-Evolution? No. So it's. It's written by Max Brooks, who um, is Mel Brooks's son. So, you know, kind of a cool dad you got. Good for you, Max. Uh, but it's all about um, it's all about Bigfoot. I just finished reading it probably about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And it's crazy because this is his second book. And I believe his first book was World War Z. And World War Z was almost written kind of in a weird found footage kind of way. You know what I mean? They're, they're journal entries. They're radio reports. They're... Um, they're their logs you know what i mean it's not like a, a straight novel you know what i mean you're just finding out these these excerpts of information from all these recordings and that's how de-evolution is somewhat written it's written through a journal um with a couple other little things in there and the thing i love about max brooks and specifically de-evolution is he's very sciencey very sciencey so there's a mix of like actual you know things that have proven Bigfoot's existence, like locked in there to add to the story. And then some stuff that might be made up, you know, doctored up a little bit, but, oh, it's fascinating. It gives a lot of validity to Bigfoot, which I want to spread in the world. <laughs> yeah, so like, you're, are you familiar with the Patterson-Gimlin footage and stuff like that? Like, I am, and I believe that, I believe they caught an actual Bigfoot on camera. I don't think, you know, there've been studies where they're like physically, um, you know, I think Universal was like, we can't even create this costume. How could like an independent person do it on the side? You know what I mean? The way the muscles are moving, the way, you know, Bigfoot's walking in it. Um, I think it's the real thing. I think it's the real deal. And if you want to believe, you know, both Patterson and Gimlin, they said they saw it, it was acting up and then they got the camera out. So, you know, there's a lot of like, what could we have known if they pulled out the camera a minute earlier, two minutes earlier? Um, yeah, I believe. I believe. All right. Well, would you mind uh, peeping your your tattoo? You don't have to, but if you oh want, yeah, for sure. Actually, you catch it. <laughs> for, definitely have to. <laughs> oh, there we go. Wait, too lighty. Boom. Yeah, I there we go. You. I love there that. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> no problem. Well, also just side plug, we do also have a Bigfoot episode because there have been a lot of sightings in the greater San Jose area, more in like the mountains to the south because, you know, San Jose is more like urban suburban, but check that out too because um, there's also, I'm not sure if you knew, but um, kind of towards Santa Cruz, there's also a Bigfoot museum. Oh! Just maybe want you might want to check that out um, and uh, see what that's all about, so. I would love to. Like, here's the thing between, you know, your area, San Jose, like central NorCalish, all the way up to like Southern Canada, there's so much unexplored 
area so much. And it would take a ton of money to, you know, actually like explore it, you know, knock down trees and do whatever and find it. But I think there's so much just land mass where they could be out there. You know what I mean? Like we haven't gone deep in, like we think we've conquered a lot of the land here, but no, like there's a lot of undiscovered stuff. And I, I think they're out there deep, real deep. Definitely a possibility, especially like you said, those dense forests, you never really know what's back there. <laughs> so, Have you guys heard of um, Gigantopithecus? No. No. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's let's get into it. Here we go. <laughs> right. um, Gigantopithecus was around definitely, you know, dinosaur age kind of creature, um, but essentially like a super Bigfoot, like eight feet tall, lot of hair, walks like a human. It, it's Bigfoot. It was straight up Bigfoot, or at least a version of it. And I firmly believe that this, you know, dinosaur of a creature just kind of like hid out for a while. You know what I mean? Because where the dinosaurs could have been everywhere, whether it was like deserts or wherever, these guys were mainly kind of, you know, in the forests. So when the Ice Age came, or not the Ice Age, but you know, when the meteors came and everyone couldn't survive the earth because the climate changed so much, they were chilling because they were like, hidden in their canopies and hidden in you know these very foresty places and um definitely a fun deep dive if you want to go on wikipedia and look up giganthopithesis very hard to say they should name it bob they should call it bob yeah bob yeah just Just like bob cat gold gold (laughs) yes (laughs) they rename them gold weights and they're like this is just as bad why'd you name it this i'll stick with giganthopithesis yeah all right well thank you so much for coming on and interviewing with us uh do you have anything that you're promoting right now most definitely you can catch all my stuff um on my instagram at eric escobar i post all my shows are coming up um tonight and tomorrow friday and saturday i'm actually going to be at laughs comedy club in tucson arizona and then um right after that i'm actually going to minnesota to headline the granada theater which is going to be super fun so if you're in tucson or minnesota you can catch (laughs) me um but i'm based in la and i do a lot of shows out there constantly on the road so just follow me up um check out my ted talk it's out there right now and i would love to see y'all at a show and we can talk bigfoot and ghosts and other spooky stuffs sounds good Um, please let us know if you're ever back in san jose I would love, love, love to see a show at a haunted theater, especially, you know, San Jose Improv. Um, hit us back if you're ever here and uh, definitely check out whatever's lurking out there. Most definitely. I'll buy you a drink at the bar. I will not buy you a drink in the basement. I'll just put that out there right now. We will, <laughs> we will avoid that area or maybe just peek. We'll see. All right. So usually for San Jose, we do an outro. Do you want to go ahead and uh, sign us out? I would love to. Hey, what's up, San Jose? Stay spooky, San Jose. I just said San Jose a lot. Hey, stay spooky, San Jose. You guys are great. I love you. Bye.